What is crackalacking, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my certified fantabulous thermonuclear AF, since I didn't just say that at the intro for some reason, co-host Grant Hughes. Before we get started with a bunch of ground to cover on this one podcast or two podcasts, whatever it winds up becoming, please remember to subscribe to us wherever you are consuming us. Hit that sub button on YouTube, like and comment, help the algorithm love us back. Please continue subscribing on your podcast players as well. Um, we appreciate ratings and reviews on Apple right now. There is like, we've had Knicks fans downvoting us. I don't even know what we said about the Knicks lately. I mentioned this on the last podcast, um, but they've been downvoting us for a little bit. So we can get some five-star ratings and reviews. That would be great. Join our discord. The link to that is in the podcast and YouTube descriptions. Follow our socials. We are at hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok, And we are at hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. We have some straggler mailbag questions. I didn't send out a solicitation. We got them anyway. So thank you everyone. As, as always, uh, I believe it's on me anyway to start us off. And this one comes from kill Hoss. Are the heat going anywhere? Is it time for them to retool or are their contracts too terrible? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I, well, the heat are kind of hanging. Well, the, just to keep it topical, the heat are going to the foul line. Did you see how they made 40 out of 40 last night? And Butler's last one was the game winner. Just make your free throws, kids. For a That's team that was like below PSA. average in free throw attempt rate too, entering yeah. that game. But playing the Thunder, who are just like they they play so hard. Yeah. But there's just like there's an anarchy to the way that they defend. That isn't always some of the calls were like bullshit too. It got a little yeah. bit annoying there. But well, the last the one that got Butler the game winning free throws, it was he had Jalen Williams on him and he got him down to the block and it was like the play was over. There was like no scenario where he wasn't gonna foul him and it was an and one and that was it. Like there was just that's that's too much to for any rookie to to bite off having Butler down there. Um, but to answer the question, so here's why I think the Heat are actually potentially going somewhere, or at least not just like, like dead to the lottery. Or, what's that? Like to the lottery? Yeah, no, here's the thing. I, so the, so you got, uh, I'm looking at their lineups here and if you can get Lowry hero, Struess, uh, Martin and bam on the floor, they're plus 6.1 Lowry, Struess, Martin, Butler and bam, they're plus 16.6. And then in that scenario, you have, you have hero leading the second unit. This is per 100. So like if the, he can just get everybody out there, they're one of the best teams in the East, just when they have their best players out there. They've had a bunch of, you know, Butler's missed a ton of time. Bam has been out. Lowry hasn't been good. They still don't have enough forwards. Like, yeah, we are, we're aware of all that. But when their best players are on the floor, they're really good. And so, and then they're so far, their best high usage lineup, I, Heroes, I think clearly what the Heat's third best player. Like there's not really a conversation around that uh, yeah. or no worse than that. So if you had, and then the question for the, the playoff heat of the last several years was, well, if Hero's off the floor, do they have enough shot creation? Well, now, like, you can play a really good lineup and then have Hero kind of run second units. He's leveled up, he's much better than he was last year, certainly the year before. There's like a theory of the case for the heat. Just if, if this is the stupidest, like, if healthy, because everybody is if healthy, um, their high end, like, their high level is, is as high as it needs to be, I think. It's just, can they, can they, get those guys out there often enough to reach it. I'd be curious whether their high level is actually high enough. Like, let's just say they remain fully on. I think look, Bam's been a, a bear this yeah. season that, and he's probably not being talked about enough in general for just how well he's done at both ends of the floor. You already mentioned Tyler hero has been spectacular. Jimmy Butler's like kind of the player who, yeah, he misses all this time, but when he plays, he's might be still one of the 10 or 12 best players in the game. There's, 
still just weird stuff with their half court offense. Like they, uh, they, they need more rim pressure, I would say. And like, I think that you need to, excuse me, like the bench has been, maybe it's not as big a concern in the playoffs, but also maybe it is because you're always banged up and always seems like you're missing somebody. Um, they're in the bottom seven of bench point differential uh, on the season, I believe. And so like, that's something to monitor. And it still just feels like some of their top end lineups are really good, but you do to me still need some more front court diversification. And so I would argue you need to go one way or the other kind of where it's like, well, can we get someone to replace like the PJ Tucker minutes or can we just get some more rim pressure from the outside in? I think it helps that Victor Oladipo has been good. Uh, Max Drews, I think has been absolutely fine. I mean, like one of the most inconsistent undefined roles in the league right now. So uh, I will say like, yeah, it feels like we're exaggerating how bad their contracts are. Who's on a bad contract? Well, he has one year and 29.7 million left. Not a great contract, but it's one year. And then you have Duncan Robinson with three years left at, uh, you know, under $60 million. And now that he's injured, he's even less valuable. And there was some stuff like when he did play, like, Oh, he'd kind of gotten like the floater range a little bit more than we were used to, but it was just nothing spectacular. I do feel like I'll phrase it this way. I think they're obligated. Like I'm not really trying to see this season through like you need to. And I know Jovich is injured, injured right now, but between picks and Jovich, like what can you get if you attach those to Duncan Robinson like that is the move and I think this team is not good enough to do to opt against exploring that scenario I think that's fair I think the other thing is you know we do this a lot with like defending champs and you know dynastic type teams that have uneven regular seasons but maybe we should apply it to the heat because like it just the idea that yeah they kind of do have a gear that they don't really mess around with until the playoffs and you know I mean they made the finals in the bubble they weren't so hot the year after that, but they were still 40 and 32. And last year they went to game seven of the conference finals. Like this is a team I think that might have good reason to believe just get us in there and then we'll turn it up. And Butler is a perfect example of that. Cause that guy just in the playoffs, he's a different, I mean, you say he's top 10, 12, like sometimes he looks like a top five guy in the playoffs. He just wins them games. So is it fair? Is it smart to rely on that? I don't know, given the health, but like, I do think they deserve a little benefit of the doubt you know, excluding all the like, Oh, heat culture and all this stuff. Like they're super well coached. They do the, you know, they do everything you should do defensively. There's kind of just like, I guess I give them a little more leeway than I would a lot of teams when things don't look great. All right. This is from Chris Curtis. If you got to, if you got to choose the five best, not most valuable players in the West, regardless of position, who would they be? And also, could you make a case that at least four of those players are guards? And this is getting into the idea that the, guard rotation in the West is going to be brutal. Injuries might take care of that, but point taken. Who are, So who are your five best players in the West and how many of them are guards? Steph and Luca are definitely there. So there are two guards. Jokic is there mm-hmm. for me. So he's not a guard. I'm trying to think here. I'm, I guess I'm like now because it was mentioned, I'm trying to focus hyper-focus on actual guards. Can I, I give I, you a prompt that yeah. gave me pause here? What do you... If it's best players, is Anthony Davis in that list just based on like he was in like what we saw from him before he got hurt this year? I think he's in the conversation. It would just be really tough for me to flat out like because at that point is okay, is is what we're seeing from Kawhi Leonard right now? Like, does he need to be put there? Well, I don't know because with Davis, you've got like what's he third in Raptor and like sixth in EPM and all these all in addition to the the counting stats and stuff, like he had he was objectively you know, it, an MVP shortlist guy before he got hurt. 
so are we talking about who are the five best players right been this season in the West? It's like we're using if we're using what's happened so far, I don't think Anthony Davis makes it. That's how I took it. So that's why I do have Davis in that list, just because all the other guards just bled together for me. And that's the point of this question is how hard it is to be like, which two or three make it onto this list. I think it's Steph for me, Steph, Luca, Jokic, Shea, and Ja, which would be four guards would probably be the way that I go. I look, the one that's giving me pause, has he played enough is Zion. Oh, interesting. I didn't even think about him. him. I would probably put him above Ja. So I, I, so of that big group, because if we just, if I have AD in there, which I guess I do just for, because it makes the conversation more interesting and I have to pick one of those guys. Ja was the first name I put down, but quietly Dame Lillard has had like a ridiculous year. He's basically the same Dame Lillard. And then it's like, what do you do with... Yeah, he's had a good year, but he's like kind of pulled back lately, which is what gave me pause on that too. Devin Booker, would I think Devin Booker has been better than him. What do you do with Booker? And then there's like the PG, Kawhi, LeBron. Like they're in the conversation at least if we're talking top five in the West. I don't know what to do with that. I think I probably go Jaw, but Zion messes it all up because if you're just talking about like who has been the best at their best when they're healthy, I mean, he's kind of... I- you probably can't pick Zion if you're not going to pick Davis. So from my perspective, like I yeah. don't really have the option of picking Zion. So I'd have to yeah. stick with the guards. I would consider putting like LeBron instead of Shea or Ja would be the one that I harps. I don't, I, Paul George has been great, but like that doesn't, I don't think that sways me enough. Yeah. And so like my top six, like LeBron would probably be six, but I think there's really, there's a case to put him over Shea or Ja because like the Lakers have been, you know, their five, their recent five game winning streak, notwithstanding, like they've been, like kind of sad and pathetic yeah. a lot of the time, but he's been, he's been really good. I think the takeaway is that it's, I mean, this is, this will sound bad if without context, but it's almost a good thing that at least one or two of these guards in the West are not going to, there will require injury alternates in the all-star game because then you can just kind of shoehorn in all these extra guys. Cause otherwise like there is a real scenario where like Devin Booker is not an all-star or something like that. I mean, the injuries that's going to be a factor for him, but, He's absolutely an all-star just, you know, passing the smell test. So it's, these guys will get in because like Booker might not play. Steph might just, Oh, I have a, you know, ankle or something. I can't play even if he's healthy. I feel like we'll get a lot of that to at least keep, keep the controversy to a minimum. Maybe I say this every year, but it does feel like injuries have just like warped how I'm like looking at the league and the players and all-stars and all NBA discussions and the, the landscape more than usual. It just feels like, I don't know if it's just because I'm like oversensitive to it, but it feels like we've just been inundated with all these injuries and like to the extremes where it's not like just load management where it's like, no, like shit was going on with Kawhi for a Mm. while. And like, I thought about the other day, they said Anthony Davis is like ramping up for his return. It's like, Oh, he hasn't played since X. I'm like, Holy shit, it's been that long since it's been a month. Davis last played. Well, I was thinking today, working on something, like you, you know, the high profile injuries, the Durants and when Steph was out in AD, like, sure. Think what if Lonzo Ball had started the season healthy? Like, how differently do we view the Bulls this year? Because they were 27 and 13 before he got hurt last year, and everybody was, you know, it felt a little paper tigery, but like they were very good and on top of the East for a long time. And they went, I think it was like 19 and 23 down the stretch after he got hurt and they're like 19 and 22 now. So you're just below 500 without ball and you're a top seed in the East with them exaggeration. But like there's, there's that kind of thing all over the league where guys, we don't even 
think about have had huge impacts that like that might be the reason the bulls blow it up if they blow it up is because they just didn't have a healthy lonzo ball and everybody got pissed at each other like that it's it's unbelievable and we're also at the point where it's like as my dogs are coming in to make their cameo because i left my office door open uh (laughs) it's like clint capella hasn't played in like the better part of a month and we're just like no one's talking no one's talking about it yeah because there's all these other higher profile injuries going on out there yeah it's 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 wild it, I'm it sucks. Get... It sucks. It makes it unfun to watch games because you're like, what am I going to get from this? They don't have like a Suns game. Why are you going to watch a Suns game? Like, there's just I they're did... missing four starters. I'm happy. I only had. I decided to do extra work and have Suns Warriors on in the background on Tuesday night. I'm glad I did because it was just like it was kind of a funny barn burner. Maybe not so much for you. But no, it was just like I, I quit in the third quarter. I was so angry, and then the fourth quarter, the actually the Warriors actually tried and kind of made it semi interesting. I'm going to skip ahead to this one because we have a Blazers one, but I don't want to put the responsibility of you reading this one. Uh, put put it on, foist it on you, I should say. All right. I'll comes come from back to the Blazers one in a minute. Matisse Thibel, DPOY. I hear so much about what to do with a heliocentric guy and how to build around them in a way that lets that guy go insane while being good enough overall to get to the finals. Most people say the answer is second all-star or four, three and D guys or get the best rim protector. Pretty much since the 2016 finals, my mindset switched between those three. But it can't be just four 3 and D guys and a bunch of bums or just have one amazing rim protector and a bunch of bums or just another all-star and a bunch of bums. But after the Brunson deal, I think I have a new strategy that never seems to be an off-season priority or an on-court strategy uh, I've heard. Why don't teams pursue a system plus ISO specialist more? And just as a reference point, like Matisse Thibel, Gave LeBron, Kyrie, 2016. LeBron, full-time high-usage point guard. Kyrie is good enough on offense to be both a part of the system, but also unstoppable even against great defenses, making him like a top-eight finals talent, even if he's maybe a top-five regular season talent. 2016 to 2019, the Warriors and KD. Ridiculous system, offense, but oh yeah, KD can go get 40 points in isolation on 20 shots against great D. Am I expecting too much from players to even replicate 70 to 80% of situations like that? Okay, so there's a lot to unpack with that question. Um, I think, here's how I would look at it. I think the idea of heliocentrism and like it's such a hot topic right now and we discuss its flaws as much as its features stems from the fact that like there is a consensus that in team building, if the goal is to win a championship, you need someone that is capable of being this at the center of a heliocentric team offense whatever like you have to have that guy and then the thing that gets underrated and this is what the question gets to is like what do you do after that and that's harder than it seems because there just are a lot of options and so the ideal version and so then you get situations like the Harden Rockets you you know the good version of Trey and the Hawks or even now even though the story is not written all the way of Luca and the Mavs like what do you do around that guy I think I th- I, this is going to be an oversimplification, but like the goal should be that you have a system that accommodates a heliocentric star who also happens to be capable of like just scoring when they need to. The Warriors are a fucked up example just because that's a collection of talent and system and everything that you're just not going to see. The, the KD Warriors specifically I'm talking about. But I think like, in a perfect world, it looks kind of something like what the Nuggets have with Jokic, where he touches the ball more than anybody 
on the roster. Like I think he leads the league in touches, but his touch time is like a fraction of what, in terms of how long he has the ball is a fraction of what Harden, Luca, SGA, all these other guys have. So he is sort of a heliocentric star and he can go get 40, but he's also the guy that like defines what everybody else gets to do. So you need the shortest answer is you need everything to win a championship, to like build a championship roster, a guy that can facilitate in a system and be your tough bucket getter in the playoffs. But, but yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. So I guess I don't know what the, if, if what's being proposed here is really any different or any new type of variation on how to build a team is because you just need the guy that can score in isolation and the guy that can be at the center of a heliocentric offense and a bunch of other guys, and they have to like each other, and they have to buy in, and you have to have good coach. There's just all these ands. Um, so I don't know how new of an idea this feels like. Uh, I don't know if you feel differently. Like, it, does this feel like a distinct thing that's being suggested, or, or like, how do you view it? So one, the Jokic way that you framed that I think was perfect and not something that I necessarily thought of. But two, I almost interpreted it as like, and it made it seem implausible to me, was do you have the ISO specialist who is not informing everything else that you're doing and yeah, so it would right. be like so it's jordan clarkson or something just just something yeah. someone along like a bucket getter juiced mm-hmm. up lou williams and i don't think that's feasible because like you i don't know that you would lean on that person enough and then you're deviating from your model in certain situations and there's a reason why those guys aren't like the primary alphas on teams to begin with um so maybe i was interpreting the question wrong because if you're just looking for an ISO specialist star who can exist as part of a larger ecosystem. Well, yeah, I think that that's been tr- like, that's what teams are looking for. Those players are just incredibly rare. And like, if we're looking at, so it's a player who can dictate everything that you do and how everyone else operates, but also fit into the larger scheme. Like who are the actual best players on a, I don't want you want to say contender best players on a really good team who would fit that mold, like both sides of the fence. There's Steph, there's Jokic, like who, like Kevin Durant, I think for sure yeah. is there. Like healthy like, Kawhi is kind of that guy. Like he's, not, it's kind of the guy that, so we're, we're tweaking the question, but it like the ideal, because I, I think the point being made here is like, you need the LeBron and the Kyrie. Like you, the, you need those to be two different people. But I think maybe what's most valuable is the guy, like Tatum is a little bit that way. But like someone that can toggle between I'm part of the system and everything's cool and and we're playing a certain style. And then when we don't have an advantage and we can't create, you know, uh, space with switches or, or just like the system is kind of failing, then that guy can also be the guy that's like, I'm going to get an 18 footer or I'm going to get fouled and I'm going to carry us for like five possessions in a row. Butler feels a little bit that way too, but that's like, all that saying is you just need one of the five or 10 best players in the league. Cause that's what sort of makes someone great. It could also be, but it's a, like, and they added this Brunson is a six foot point guard and it's a guarantee your defense will suffer, but he relieves so much pressure on the one superstar to have Brunson get 20 a game on good efficiency against playoff D. Even if Reggie Bullock is technically a better quote unquote, two way player, but he's like an eight points per game score and below average efficiency in the playoffs. And so I'm wondering if it's sort of reframing it as, you don't need that second guy to be a star. He can be a fringe star. And that almost is like, we saw that 
like Dallas, could they have won the title if Luca's your best player and Jalen Brunson is your second best player? Jalen Brunson clearly didn't want that. Like that's part of the reason why he left. The Mavs definitely botched how they handled that, but that like he he didn't want to be that type of player. So there might be something to that, and it's almost like think of peak Kyle Lowry could probably fit into like the Steph Jokic category of never on the same level, but someone who could inform and instruct everything that you and everyone else do, mm-hmm. but like doesn't need to. He's going to fit alongside Kawhi, who yeah. was the best player, or he's going to fit alongside Siakam. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, yeah, there might be something to, well, you don't need to obsess over in the Knicks' case. It's let's not get caught up in finding, you know, let's use Donovan Mitchell's trade as an example. I was hyper-focused on, well, if you trade for Donovan Mitchell, you now need to go out and find the Donovan Mitchell equal or superior to be a real contender. And maybe what Matisse Seibel DPOI is saying, if you have a player who is on the level of even a Donovan Mitchell, you don't need that next player to be their equal or superior. I mean, I think it all depends because, and and again, this is, there's no right answer, but it's like, who are the other four guys? If it's, you know, you could absolutely construct a team, I think, that could win a championship if Donovan Mitchell, like, is your quote-unquote superstar. It's just the other four guys have to be great, you know, some combination of four great defensive players, a rim protector, good, you know, all this other stuff. It's just, they have to be super high level. I think really is, is I, I always come back to the, I forget what year he said it, and it's not like attributable to him specifically. It's just kind of logical. But when Bob Myers was asked, like, what do you need to win in the playoffs? paraphrasing it was basically like you need as many guys that cannot be exploited or schemed off the floor for some tiny reason as you can possibly get like you just so to 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 sort of tie it to this that isolation scoring star it can't be someone that defenses target like so it's got to just it's got to be that and it's got to be there can't be some obvious shortcoming that a playoff series will expose like, because it just, you just look at the championship teams that have, you know, that, that we think that in the last handful of years, what they end up doing is just playing the guys that can't get attacked and that can, you know, find some level of success offensively against whatever defense is being played. Like there, so there's a, there's definitely like a balance component you don't necessarily need like this guy can get you 25. This guy can create a mid range jumper at all times. You just really need superstars. Sure. But then guys that will not provide opportunities for a really smart opposing team to like create advantages on either end. So, I mean, and that's why it's so hard. Like you just, those guys are not obvious and then in short supply. Is it possible to win a title with someone who deviates from this archetype as your best player then like, and this is sort of changing the And so I'll, I'll frame it this way. Is it more likely that Anthony Edwards is the best player on a championship team or LaMelo ball is the best player on a championship team? Like, and is it, or, and I'm not saying it to pot, like we saw it kind of with, I'm thinking of the, like the last teams that wouldn't have had the LeBron Steph KD level type town at the 2014 Spurs. Um, I guess the 2011 Mavericks would be in that. We know that Pistons teams for sure, but like we're talking about like every seventh champion at that point or whatever. Yeah. So, so you mean like the player type, like Lamelo Ball is like the the more of a ball mover or just like a, a passer. He's, and, and... he's more of like the connective guy because yeah, like, yeah, he can distribute, but like he's not the half. Or at least at this point in his career, and he doesn't look like he profiles as that player long term. But the from scratch 
like create in the half court for himself, go up against, like create the something out of nothing. And not, again, I'm not saying it needs to be at the Steph, KD, yeah. LeBron type of level, but even at the Giannis level where there's, and that's not to diminish what Giannis is, but like there's limitations to mm-hmm. what he can do in the half court where it's, he's almost a lot of his best stuff during that finals run is like, Oh, it's happening in the two man game where maybe he's not starting off with the ball in the initial action. So it's a little bit of a tweak on the, the Myers thing. I think I would say Edwards only because I, and I don't know that either of these guys is at this stage yet. Certainly ball isn't Edwards has shown flashes, but I would lean towards the guy that if you're the opposing defense, he makes you say, shit, we got to change. We got to change something like we, he he's, he's beating his guy. He's creating advantages He's putting us at in positions we don't want to be in. I don't know what LaMelo does necessarily. Like great passer is a good spot up shooter, shoots it from like, but that's not the same to me as, well, one guy can't stay in front of Edwards. Like, so we got to do, we got to do something. Like, I think it's the guy that forces a defense to do stuff that it either hoped it wouldn't have to do, or like didn't imagine it would, it would have to, you know what I mean? Like it's, he's the guy that compromises something in the game plan that a defense was hoping it wouldn't have to compromise. That's a great answer. This was a, this is a very interesting question. Hopefully we didn't interpret it completely incorrectly. At, at the very least, it was a good, uh, a good uh, springboard into conversation. You want to do these who says no's or you want to save them? Um, do you want to ask the blazers question? Oh, yeah. From I Nicholas? said I was going to do that. Sure. Um, okay. This is from Nicholas Hobson. Uh, blazers fan admitted right up front. Uh, love Ant Simons, but wondering what kind of trade value he has come January 15th when he's eligible to be moved. Who are some players who could real you could realistically see coming back to the Blazers for him? And what are some teams that would love to have his services? This is an interesting question. I think some people had sticker shock when he signed at four years and a hundred million. That just feels like a good contract. I mean, when you kind of look at, you know, let's phrase it this way. Versus RJ Barrett, Tyler Hero, and Jordan Poole, the money that they got, and then versus what Anthony Simons got, who are you betting on having the best contract of those four? Different, they're at different stages. Like Anthony Simons already on his. I think there might be a case for Tyler Hero at this point. I think he's like, the probably, leader right now. I might pick Anthony Simons just because it's a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. So, and Simons has been good this year. He's hitting over 36% of his off the dribble triples. Um, his catch and shoots are still above 37%. You're probably normally those used to being higher 53% shooting on drives this year. Uh, and you know, the blazers have not, they've done better when Damian Lillard's playing without Simons than Simons without Lillard. There can be a ton of noise in there. Damian Lillard missed a ton of time. So we're seeing Simons go up against more starting units in those minutes. Um, the blazers bench is also just like completely cratered after a, a hotter start. They have like a bottom five point uh, bench point differential since they started the season 10 and four. Anthony Simons value around the league, I think would be pretty high is my point here. Super young, someone who could get his own shot has shown some diversification on where he's getting those shots, how he's getting those shots. Um, and just as a passer overall, not super complicated, but like, yeah, he could be the steward in those minutes where if you don't have your actual primary playmaker around him, when you look at teams that would want him. And so I'm doing this from my perspective. Um, and one of them that just, you know, stands out to me the most would be Toronto because he just brings sort of everything that they're lacking. And so is that someone where I'm not in favor of them giving up OG Ananobi, but like is Anthony Simons an asset where, okay, well then all of a sudden you're pairing him with Fred Van Fleet. You know what? You did the small guard thing already. I know 
Simons doesn't defend like Lowry, but his shot creation is just so like, who is the best? The best shooter on the Raptors right now is Gary Trent Jr. And like, is their most important floor spacer with the way that Fred Van Fleet's been shooting for most of the season. So just like, is that enough? Or even if the Raptors decide to blow it up where I don't know what that looks like. We need to have a separate pot on the Raptors or something, mm-hmm. or get into like that with like the trade deadline primer is just like, if you were the conventional way to blow things up is you trade your oldest, best player and recruit draft equity or a high-end prospect. Simon's has already been paid, but he's young enough to where like, is that how you like kind of get a Siakam deal done or something? Um, I also think a team that should look at him. They're not at this point in their development, but like the Spurs could really use someone like him. And it's, I don't know what you're willing to give up there. Like if it's, if it's draft equity or whatever, um, but that's a team that I thought of. And if you have teams that you wanted to, to throw out there, I have a, I have one that's like mean, it's not mean, but it's just like, you know, the Suns could really use him. And so it's like, I don't know who you're giving that. Like, are you giving up Mikhail Bridges, Fran Free Simons? Because then you all of a sudden you have CP3 for another, maybe you get rid of CP3 after this season, but that's like, because the Blazers don't look like they're going to be sellers. And so you're not moving Simons as part of a sell job, but like Simons on the Suns could theoretically make a lot of sense. Simons on the magic. Um, and then I know this one won't be popular and they can't really get to the money matching right now, but like Simons on the thunder would mm-hmm. make a lot of sense, even with Giddy and Shake Gilders Alexander there. I was just curious, like if you had, I have other teams, but did you have any teams? Yeah. So uh, again, I think my number one, so I want, if I'm getting Simons, right. I'm just trying to think of like trade partners for the Blazers on this. I got to be a team that has like a, a surplus of length and defense, because I think he just defensively, he's been really bad. I I'm concerned that this is the type of thing where that's just how he's, what he's going to be. That puts like a sub, you know, elite number one option ceiling on him, which is fine because you're not paying him like one of those guys. You're paying him at rates where it's like he's a quality starter or a little bit better than that. So that's fine. So my very first team was Toronto. I just don't know what the package looks like for all the reasons you said, not the least of which being, I think if you're getting Ananobi back, which everybody should want, and he fits particularly well on the Blazers, like the Blazers have this pick encumbrance going to the Bulls is first through 14 protected through like 27. So you got to get the protections amended on that. You got to figure out how you convince Toronto that it makes sense to give up Ananobi for Simons and that probably they're assuming that both Van Vliet and Trent are not coming back. Um, so that it's a weird fit. Like it, it's both a perfect fit and like almost impossible to execute. The other two that I had were Orlando. I feel like you could put stuff together that, you know, gives the the Blazers back. Like maybe you use Jonathan Isaac, who finally might be ready to play basketball and could theoretically, if healthy, be a huge defensive boost to a team that, again, surprise, surprise, needs a defensive boost. Maybe you're talking about like Fultz and Suggs or something. I don't know what all you need to do to sort of put the pieces together. The other team is the Clippers to me. Just because, Ooh. like, I think Wall has faded uh, and Reggie Jackson basically isn't going to play anymore, it looks like, for a while. Like, he fell out of the rotation. Luke Kennard is an option at the point, but he's a flawed one, and he's in and out of the lineup, I think, with a calf. The problem is, like, are the Blazers interested in, you know, some combination of, like, Marcus Morris and Batum or robert covington and like a 2028 first rounder 29 27 swap like the the clippers draft is is you know tied up for several more years so you'd have to be it's a weird move for the blazers like why like i don't know how much those guys help and then like 
why do you care about first rounders that are seven years, six years away? I, I, I don't know, but teams that need a point guard or a scoring guard that can give up length basically was what I was looking at. And it's like Dallas would make a ton of sense, but like, even if we're waiting to the off season where they can give out like the picks package special, it's sort of just like, why is, uh, why is Portland interested in that? And that's right. where it makes it harder. The one I was going to ask you about on this, what about Memphis? So you're basically upgrading the Tyus Jones spot more or less in the rotation. But it's like, what do you get? Cause you're not trading Bane and you're not trading Jaron Jackson Jr. At that point, it's like, so the Blazers, yeah, they're not rebuilding. And so that, that just makes it like a super tough you, fit here. I mean, you could say, I mean, if the Blazers were high on Zaire Williams or, or thought Brandon Clark could do more than kind of play, you know, 25 minutes at center type of thing. I mean, you could put and and then the Grizzlies have a bunch of picks. Like I think the Grizzlies could put a package together that would be, you know, so asset rich potentially it'd be hard to turn down. But yeah, I don't. I, it, it's tough because it's hard to find like a win now piece that upgrades Simons and also is not doesn't have to be like buttressed by picks which i don't think portland would care that much about so it's i mean it'd be nice if they could get them to open up their own trade possibly but you want players like yeah you you sort of when you when you sign dame to the extension you sort of like you kind of like incoming first round picks are kind of like we're not planning to to work that way for a while it was the message i think well you know what technically could work is the wizards they have avia they have Kuzma, Monte Morris, and then like if they're willing to trade conditional picks because of the obligation to the Knicks, like is how much are you like because Bradley Beal, I think Bradley Beal and Simon's work, they don't work defensively. Like that's just not going to be yeah. a thing. But like that's almost a perfect word. Simon's is not your point guard, so like it allows Beal to still run things, but like Simon's can run things as well. And they need they need more variable cadence from like their their non Bradley Beal guard spots at this point. So that would be a team. I think Toronto. Or even the Spurs, just because if they wanted to, and you're the Blazers, like if they're going to put Kelton Johnson or oh, Devin yeah. Vassell on the table, like that's that can make a ton of sense for you. In addition to other, I don't even know if there would be other stuff involved. Just like that's what's tough about Simons, where you know the Raptors, like yeah, there's or like if it's OG and Obi for Simons, like and that's the framework of a deal. There'd be more money involved. Who's giving up more? Like is that that might be the closest thing to like the straight up sensible one. But if you're looking for sort of to to divest, let's say Simons into picks and immediate help the wizards might be a partner. I did. I want to leave the, who says no, but we have a, who says no for the blazers from Ian that has this, um, the jazz receive Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, and a first round pick. The blazers receive Lowry Markinen, Jordan Clarkson and Jared Vanderbilt. I think the jazz say no there just cause I think Markinen is, I mean, the first and, and Hart are great sweeteners, but like, I really like, I still really like Vanderbilt. Uh, and I think, I think, I mean, Markinen to me is, I, I don't know that Simons will ever reach the level Markinen is at right now. And it's not like Markinen's old. So I, I'm, I'm hesitant to trade Markinen unless I'm getting back like someone that is probably going to be an all-star like now. Hart's interesting because it gives you like sort of a, an authentic wing, but like now you're, and Simons is just like, okay, well, he's younger than Clarkson. Clarkson's up for a new deal too. But like you already have Sexton there. Conley's still on the roster. And then like Malik Beasley's there. You have to pay Hart after this season. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting concept, but if you're going to pry Lowry marketing from the jazz, my guess is they're getting two first round, two first round picks, picks, picks. And I'm not saying they're unprotected, 
maybe this season's is unprotected. Yeah. We're probably getting two first round picks and something else. Simons is better to me than that. But when Utah's like, I don't even want to say it's the, their weakness isn't guard play right now. Like they get a ton of dribble penetration from everywhere. Uh, I don't, I think that this probably falls short for them. I, I agree. I think marking and just the fact that, you know, we talk about this with like the magic hypothetically, but the fact that Markinen can be a guy that can score on the ball and then can run around off of it at a big forward position just makes it so that like your guards don't have to be, you know, you don't need a guy that gets into the paint all the time that like, it just downgrades the requirements from your backcourt spots when you have a big guy that can, you know, you bend the defense just by sort of being out there. So yeah, I, Simons is a good player. I, I just don't know that he improves the jazz enough without tons of stuff to justify it. Like Markinen, I don't, if there's no way they trade Markinen, right? Like just full stop. I can't imagine the jazz would do that unless they're getting like a go bear size, size offer for him. Um, who is okay. Here's a good one. Who's more likely to get traded mid season. I'm going to have to timestamp this because I'm like, I think this is such a great question. Mid season again, not off season. Who's more likely to get traded mid season, Larry Markinen or Pascal Siakam talking about before this year's deadline. Yeah. Siakam. I just, I just don't, I don't, well, it's a combination of things. Like, you know, certainly we talked about, well, the jazz are going to trade all these guys or, you know, but that was when we were saying like, well, cause they're going to win too much and all that other stuff, but nobody foresaw marketing being this good at this age. Toronto is also in that, like, what are they going to do? We'll do a pod. I'm sure. Like you said, I could see the reasoning for Toronto doing it, trading Siakam more so than I can imagine a jazz team that is thinking about the next five years trading a, a mid twenties. I don't know. I have 20 age 25 in my head for marketing. And I don't know how old he is exactly, but like a guy that's just starting his prime and is not on a, you know, max deal that is going to be an all-star or should be an all-star. Like, I don't know how you trade that guy. I just, I don't see it. I, like, it's not like he's not as untouchable as like, well, the, will the Bucks trade Giannis or, you know, the will of Warriors <laughs> trade but like whatever the level below the, this guy's going to have a statue is, is like marketing to me feels like that level. Cause plus also last thing on this, uh, when you feel like you just got a, like, you pulled off a heist, like you lucked into this guy that was way better than you thought he would be. Like, I feel like uh, there's some sort of like pot committed, you know, analog to that where it's like, we're never get, we're just like, we just found all this money. We're never going to give it up. That's a good point there too. This final segment is going to be super quick. I'm not even sure I'm going to put it in the podcast. It's going to be a short, but we're going to do, and we'll do more in depth, like trade deadline previews Buy, sell or hold for every team in the league. That's going to amount to hopefully two minutes or less so that our video clip editor, Ian doesn't have too much work to do to chop it down. We're going to start you want to start with the, with the West. I'll name them off to you. Go for it. All right. So we are on to the Western conference. This is again buy, sell, or hold entering the NBA trade deadline. Dallas Mavericks. Buy. Denver Nuggets. Buy. Golden State Warriors. Uh, buy. Houston Rockets. Sell. LA Clippers. Buy. Los Angeles Lakers. Hold. Loser. <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies. Buy. Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I'm going to give them a hold. OKC Thunder. Sell. Bye, Phoenix Suns. <laughs> Hold on, you forgot. Uh, you forgot the Pelicans. Oh, sorry, New or New Orleans Pelicans. They're a buy. Phoenix Suns. Uh, sell. Portland Trailblazers. 
Buy. Sacramento Kings. Hold. San Antonio Spurs. Sell. Utah Jazz. Sell. That wasn't spicy enough for me, but I appreciate it. You did it in under a minute too, and that's with me forgetting the Pelicans. As I, one of my favorite exercises just to write out all the NBA teams, like to uh-huh. see if I can remember it. I, I remember them in alphabetical order and reverse. I forgot the Pelicans this time, who are always, one of my favorite teams to watch. I always remember what number slide. If I get to the Knicks, I'm on the 20th slide or something, or whatever I think it is for a 30 teamer. My quick reaction to yours is you're a coward when it comes to the Thunder. Uh, the Lakers should at least do a mini buy, like a second. You're right. I'm just sticking to my stupid uh, roundtable thing I did. And I respect the Phoenix Suns sell. Let's go all in on Wemby at this point. Unless you're getting an all starts, it's Wemby time. Yeah, they're done. We got we could do a pot about them. And how about how fast windows close? Um, all right, I'm going to give you the East teams. You ready? Uh, not even a little bit, but yes, I'm ready. All right, Atlanta Hawks. Bell. Boston Celtics. Bye. Brooklyn Nets. Buy. Charlotte Hornets. Sell if they have anything to sell. What's the sell? <laughs> Chicago Bulls. Sell. Love it. We agree. Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Buy. Detroit Pistons. Sell. Maybe hold, but sell. Indiana Pacers. Buy. Do it, Pacers. Miami Heat. Buy. Milwaukee Bucks. Buy. Please buy. <laughs> New York Knicks. Sell, 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 sell. Can't believe you're tired of Jalen Brunson already. Orlando Magic. Hold. Uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Hold. Just because don't trade Tyrese Maxey, please. Like, you're not going to. Don't do it. Toronto Raptors. Oh, sell. I said buy. Sell. It's time. It's keep Siakam, OG, Scotty, and that's it. Everybody Probably else the hardest one in the league. Washington Wizards. Sell. Please, for the love of God, fucking sell already, Wizards. I beg you. <laughs> That was kind of fun, not having to give a justification for anything. I like it. I like it. I don't want to be held accountable. I don't want to. I don't want to put logic behind it. Uh, are you ready to? That's it. Unless you have anything else you want to get get off your chest here. This was a very. This isn't going to all be put out in the sub hour thirty minute. But like we did, like eighty five minutes. It felt like very frenetic or hectic in a in a refreshing way. I agree. I think that worked well. We'll have to do it again. Um, less preparation is better. It turns out. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to take us out. You ready for me to take us out? I think we've done all the damage we can do. Yeah, we're. I'm ready to. I'm ready to buy you taking us out. I wouldn't okay. sell you I'm, taking. I'm us ready out. to. I'm ready to sell me remembering all the things I usually say. But uh, anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, please, uh, as Dan said at the top, remember to rate, review, subscribe, get all those Knicks downvotes out of uh, out of there. I don't know how you do that, but give like six star reviews on on Apple. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, tell your friends word of mouth still helps make sure if you are not following us or the pod on socials to rectify that we if you're watching us on youtube they are down there in your bottom right corner otherwise we are at hardwood Knox on twitter at hardwood underscore Knox on instagram hardwood Knox on tiktok and just you know search hardwood Knox wherever and subscribe wherever it allows you to do that uh as we do every time uh, i would like to give a shout out on dan's behalf and also sort of mine to the one and only frank nilakina and also apologize to Jared Allen, who got no mentions at all from this whole podcast.